wonderful singing. Amen. You know, good singing prepares our hearts for the Word of God. Amen. And I enjoyed the Sunday school. Enjoyed um, just seeing you enjoy parts of it. Amen. Some of it is pretty hard to swallow, isn't it? Sometimes when God uh, speaks to us. I know sometimes God just has to take out the rod and say, now, Benny Lee, you need to listen. Does he ever have to do you that way? Uh, am I the only one who ever gets spanked by God? I'll tell you. Uh, but you know, he, he, he's, he's pretty tough at times, but, but he always loves us. And everything he does is because he loves us. And uh, I have to keep that in mind. And, and um, this morning, I would like to... Uh, how many of you ordered or pre-ordered the Bible? Uh, okay, some of you pre-ordered the Bible. And guess what? It's here. It's out there on the table. The Intercessor Prayer Bible. It's the only one like it in the whole world. There's not one like it nowhere uh, in the world. In the entire world, there's not one like it. And, and I am so thankful God allowed me to be a part of of, of that unique Bible. All the prayers, all the prayers are listed and, um, and highlighted in yellow. And then it has 180,000 words of commentary in that Bible. Someone said, Brother Beckham, are you going to have to have wheels put on it to pull it behind you? No, it's still a pretty good-sized Bible, but it's about this thick. And um, and the ones that are uh, enjoying it so far is really uh, raving about the notes and, and the big print. It's large print for us that are blind. And uh, so, but right before, right before I bring the message, um, I asked Dr. John Wilkinson, He's the pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, where Dr. Jack Hiles pastored for many, many years. And he's a dear, dear friend of mine. And uh, I, I couldn't find anyone that I would wanted to say something about the Bible than, better than he is. So I'm going to, it's about a two, three minute video. And I would like for you to listen to what. Brother Wilkinson has to say about the Intercessor Prayer Bible. Hello, friends. I want to just say a quick word about the Intercessor Bible. Of course, Dr. Benny Beckham has been my friend now for over 20 years, had the joy to host him at one of the earlier Intercessor Regional Conferences in Long Beach, California. I love him, and I appreciate his emphasis on intercession prayer. Prayer can do anything God can do, and God can do anything. And I thank God for someone that's willing to encourage the church to pray. The Intercessor Bible is going to be a great tool for any Bible student and anyone who is passionate about prayer. I'm so glad for the 180,000 word commentary that he has included. He's got a, a huge library of books about prayer, and he has a heart for prayer, and he's certainly a diligent writer and a gifted servant of Christ. I want you to be blessed by this Intercessor Bible. I know God's going to use a beautiful, genuine leather cover. Everything about it will be, I think, 
greatly used of God to challenge us to pray and seek the Lord's face. May God help you and may the Lord use this Bible in a great way to be a blessing to your life. All right. Thank you, Brother Wilkerson. He's a dear friend and um, I'm able to preach for him at Hammond. Every other year he hosts a prayer revival there and I have seen God just do wonderful things again at First Baptist Church. But I have seen God do some wonderful things here at Faith Baptist Church also. And I would like to, I'm, I'm doing something this morning that I haven't done in a long, 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 long time. I'm going to take another man's sermon. You know, when you take the Bible, when you preach the Bible, you are taking other men's sermons and, and the same thing. But I, um, I was reading one of my books on revival some years ago, and I ran up on Oswald J. Smith. He was a Canadian preacher, uh, very, very mission-minded. And uh, his church was giving over a million dollars a year to missions in, in the 20s, in the 20s. And, um, and, and someone asked him, where did it come from? And he said, from God, from God. And, um, and so this morning, before a church can really experience revival of any kind at all, must, must clean up. Amen? And you know, God called me to call the church back to prayer. 21 years ago, my wife died, and, and um, then at her grave, I was, I was just wanting to do God's will and be in God's perfect will. And he said, my perfect will for you is for you to call the church back to prayer. They are soul winning. They are preaching. They are separated. They are doing all those things. But they are not doing the most important thing. And that is having a relationship with me. And so uh, sitting there at Diane's grave, I said to God, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. And I did not know what that might entail, but oh my, the blessings that I have seen in the last 21 years, uh, the trials and the tribulations has been there too, uh, the hard times has been there too, but let me tell you, there's been more good times than there have been bad times. And I have seen God send revival to churches across America and around the world, and, and, and God has really, really blessed, but those churches that experienced revival, they had to do some things, and they had to be honest. And um, like Bailey's Grove Baptist Church in Asheboro, went there thinking I was going to be there for a week, and I ended up being there six weeks. Over, oh, over 90 people got saved. The church is not the same church today. Is a church of faith today. It wasn't a church of faith back then. Everybody thought it was the church, uh, one of the churches in North Carolina. But the pastor turned to me right in the middle of the of the first week, and he said, "Preacher, I'm out of my box. I don't know what to do. Uh, what should I do with this?" Altars was packed. 
People was coming to the altars, getting right with God before the service ever started. People was leaving at 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning, and we would start at 7, and oh my. And you said, did the people uh, quit coming after that? For No, the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger every night, and revival broke out. And then a nine-week revival started in another state. Uh, 52 families joined that church uh, during that revival. Families joined the church. Did you hear that? And, 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 and on and on and on. But something had to take place. Uh, before before they ever could have revival. I want you to turn with me to <clears throat> Psalm 66, 18. And I want to talk about this morning some obstacles that must be removed before the church will ever have revival. Amen. And um, obstacles, uh, and it, I find them everywhere I go. I find the devil placing his old obstacles, trying Trying to block the blessings of God. Um, and Psalm 66, 18, the Bible says, If I regard, if you regard, if I regard uh, iniquity in my heart, declares David here, it says, And the Lord will not hear me. He will not hear me. And then in Isaiah, we have these significant words. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is, is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And you and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Sin then is the great barrier that keeps God from blessing a church, from blessing a nation, from blessing a home. Amen. Sin is not our, our friend. Sin is a barrier. It is a death blow to our lives if we, if we, do, if we just let it sit there and do nothing with it. Look in Hosea chapter 10 and verse 12. The Bible, <clears throat> the Bible says here, Hosea 10 and verse 12, it says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, uh, break up your fallow ground, for listen to what it says, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Someone said, Brother Beckham, what uh, do you think it's time for America to turn back to God? It was time many years ago, and, and we refused to do it. And now America is sliding into hell very slick, very quickly. And, and without true revival... Uh, I'm telling you, we we done. We are done. Uh, America is not any different than Rome was. Rome Rome said, "We are great. We will never fall. We will never fall." That's the that's the death blow. When you say we will never, we will never. Watch out. 
be careful in what you say. And so uh, Rome said we will not fall. Babylon said we will not fall. Now I'm hearing these, these people here in America saying we won't fall. We're too great to fall. But church, we, already fa- we, we have already failed. We're not falling. We have already failed. When we started killing millions of babies years ago, we, we, we started falling then. And when we started uh, the alcohol route and the drug route and all these uh, shootings that we have, when we started having all that stuff and doing nothing about it, really, uh, we were falling. And we, we, we have almost fall to the bottom. What can happen what can we do to change this route? Because we blame God for it. But Isaiah said, listen, it's not God's fault. It's your iniquity. It's your problem. Uh, you, 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 uh, God's ear is not deafened. His hands are not shortened. Uh, he, he's the same God he was when he opened the Red Sea. Uh, he's the same God when, when he did all the miracles of the Old Testament and New Testament. He is the same God. But we have changed. Yeah, we have changed. We have turned away from God. God hasn't turned, turned away from us. And then he gives us the great promise in in uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. Would you turn there and let me just uh, give you some scripture here before we get into the main part of the sermon? Second uh, Corinthians, I mean Chronicles seven fourteen. The promise of blessings is here. It is very plain. Listen to the words: If my people, which are called by my name, I know the context, but we are God's people too. And uh, uh, however, he says, if, if, if my people which are called by my name declare the Lord shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from the wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin. Oh boy. If you'll do this, I will do this. If you'll do this, I will do this. And and as we carry out that verse, we will start seeing revival in America. How many of you would love to see revival break loose in America? I would love to see it. But we're not going, I'll repeat myself, we will not see it unless, unless we turn to God. Now, I was in this motel room, I had this book, uh, The Revival We Need, the greatest book that has ever been written on revival, in my opinion, is by a Canadian that loved God. He wasn't even American, but he would love God. And he stood up in the People's Baptist Church one Sunday in 1925 and he brought this message that I want to bring to you. It's a message of questions. We will not get done this morning. But if you'll answer every question honest, we'll have revival. If you do not be honest, we won't have revival. 
that need won't be met. You'll just be a people sitting in a pew from Sunday to Sunday. But we want revival, don't we? We want to see something great in, in this week and next week and the following week. And even as Brother Pauly comes back to the pulpit after this month, don't you want to see, see the revival just continue to go? Do you say, Brother Beckham, do you mean it's a, a, a message on questions? Yep, just questions. And, um, and he, they said he stood there and, and he trembled. Here he is, a little tiny man, and he trembled as he asked these questions. He gave a, he kept a diary of this sermon. One night he said the Lord moved in. The Holy Spirit saved this lady. This person got up and confessed sin. The next night, Nothing happened. It was cold. The Spirit of God was quenched. Nothing happened. The fourth night, I got up to preach. The Holy Spirit began to move. People began to cry. People began to confess. It was a great service. God did great things. The next night, this is Dr. Smith's diary, not word verbatim, but it was close. He said, I got up the fifth night. Mm. Nothing happened again. Things are cold. People seem like they are not concerned. They're just sitting there. Some of them are laying their Bibles on the side. Some of them are not even looking at the Bible anymore. Things are just terrible. Terrible. Sixth night. I asked my first question. I looked at them very, very, very closely. Almost eyeball, eyeball to eyeball with each one of them. As I begin my message, I ask the question, have we, including me, including him, have we forgiven everyone? Is there any malice, spite, hatred, enmity in our hearts? Do we cherish grudges? Have we refused to be reconciled? Colossians chapter 3, 8 through 10. And in, I believe the old preacher said, if those, if your answer is no to those questions, it's going to be cold again tonight. We're not going to see nothing happen. But you need to answer these questions, I believe he asked. As I asked you this morning, preaching his sermon, have you forgiven everybody? Is there somebody in your life that you haven't forgiven? 
there's still these grudges, this malice and this spite. See, those things are enemies of revival. Those things will choke away revival. They won't bring revival. They'll keep revival from coming. And that old preacher knew that. So I, I, didn't, I didn't read the second question. I went to the back of the book. I wanted to know what in the world. These must have been some of the hardest people in the world to preach to. I turned to the back of the book. I read the last page of the book. Thinking I, I would hear what kind of people he was preaching to. Must have been a bunch of haters of God. Must, must have been a bunch of drunks and dope addicts and prostitutes. That's the kind of people they were. But I read the last page, the last chapter of the book. I found out that it wasn't, wasn't the people at all. He was talking about himself. Undoubtedly, he had gotten cold. And so it starts at leadership and goes down. Amen? Starts with daddy in the home and it goes down. Starts with the president of the United States and goes down. It starts with the pastor and the leadership in the church and goes down. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, that's the way it does. So, he had to be honest. No, I haven't forgiven. No, I'm bitter. I'm bitter at my people. I'm bitter. I'm bitter. I'm bitter. I got malice in my heart. I got spite in my heart. I got hatred. I got enmity in my heart. Uh, I'm, I'm, I got these grudges that I cannot, I refuse to let go of them because they have hurt me and I'm going to hurt them back. Revival will never come. You'll never see it. No church will ever see it as long as there's no's to those questions. And then we go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 8 through 10. And, and, and I hear him asking this question, do we get angry? Are there any uprisings within me? Is it true that we still lose our tempers? Does wrath hold us at times in its grip? Am I, am I, am I a prisoner to my own self. The old preacher was, was being beaten. He was being beaten by the Holy Spirit as he preached the message and it was to himself. I never preach that I don't preach to myself. Many times Many times I'll stand back, Brother Paulie, and, and I examine myself. I completely get, get out of the pulpit until I can get right with God. And I say, God, forgive me. 
I'm preaching something right now that, that's tearing me up, God. I, I want you to forgive me for, for being guilty of that because I cannot help these people as long as I got that in my life. There got to be honesty within the pulpit. There got to be honesty in the pews. Amen. And as Dr. Uh, as this dear preacher uh, Smith started preaching, it just tore him up, tore him up every night, tore him up. Then he got into the pulpit the third night. Questions again. God, are you going to, uh, is it some more questions? Don't you know all things, God? It's not that God doesn't know all things. He does know all things. But he wants, he wants us to be honest about the things he knows about us. So he went to the third set of questions. Is there any feelings of jealousy in me? When another is preferred before us, does it make us envious and uncomfortable? Do we get jealous of those who can pray and speak and do things better than we can? Oh my. I go to these conferences and this preacher will stand and he'll sing like a mockingbird. He plays the piano. He can preach the house down. And Benny Lee is sitting behind him. Can't do any of the above, especially sing. And if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll let jealousy come into my heart. Oh my, we got to get rid of this stuff. How do we get rid of it? On the altar. Just saying, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I want my church these next three weeks to experience the greatest revivals that we ever have had here at Faith. But we can't have these things with me harboring these no questions. God, help me. He went home, wrote back in his diary, it's cold, it's cold. But what he was actually writing, I'm cold. I'm not right with God. I'm doubting everything. Oh my. God's saying, son, I can't do anything for you. If you regard iniquity in your heart, I can't help you. But if you'll just repent, if you'll just get right, then I can do miracles in your life. Just like that little boy with that lunch, I can do miracles with your life too. I can see the turmoil in this preacher's life. Even though he was pastoring one of the greatest churches in, in Canada and around the world, his church was known everywhere. What he was accomplishing was known everywhere. But here is a preacher that's struggling with these questions. How about this one? Do we get impatient? And irritated. Do little things ignore, annoy, 
us? Or are we sweet and calm and unruffled under all circumstances? How many of us can say yes to that one? We never get ruffled. We just calm under all circumstances. Never get bitter. We're always sweet. Who in the world in this room could say, yep, I'm calm in every circumstance. I never get irritated, annoyed. Nope. Nope. I'm just not. I'm just not. Brother Beckham, I'm not easily offended when people fail to notice me and pass by me without speaking. It, it does hurt if others are made much of and, and I'm, I'm overlooked. And Oh boy, Brother Beckham. Yeah, that's me. All, but what are we going to do with it? These are questions. These are, these are questions that can be answered by the Bible, but, but are, we going to, are we going to answer them? Do you know there's 19 of these times four? Asking one of the greatest churches in Canada and around the world, he asked those questions too. You know why? He knew that we were human. He knew that we all are humans. And we all make mistakes. But it must be time. It says so. Jose says it is time. It's time. Right this morning, it's time to get right. Amen. Amen. It's time for the church to come back to God. Amen. Got all these questions. How about this one? Is there any pride in our hearts? Are we puffed up? Do we think a great deal of our own position and attainments? Have we, have we been dishonest? I was reading this in a church some years ago. I said, have you been dishonest? A pastor stood that was visiting the revival meeting. He stood up. Middle, middle of the auditorium, big auditorium. And he said, Brother Beckham, I went hunting last weekend. I broke the no a couple weeks ago. And he said, I broke the law. He said, I've lost my power. There's no power in the pulpit no more. I lost my burden for soul winning. I lost my burden for reading the Bible. Brother Beckham, I'm in a mess. broke the law I got to call game and fish authorities and turn myself in he called on Monday 
turned himself in. I talked to him months later. He got his power back. His church was growing again. He was doing great things for God. But in that same meeting, a lady over to my right, she stood up screaming, crying. Brother Beckham, I've lied. I've lied. Church, I've lied. Pastor, I've lied. I'm going to have to call IRS. I'm going to have to give myself up. I know I could go to jail, but I got to do this. She turned herself in to IRS. Guess what? She didn't go to jail. God worked it out, but she had to confess it. And I could give you story after story after story just in that one church that, that took these questions to heart and all oh my. Now the church is different. After all these years, the pastor told me just in November of this year, Brother Beckham, God changed my church with those questions. With you minding God and reading a, another man's sermon and just applying them to my church and then my church taking them to heart. Brother Beckham, we have had revival. Can you have revival? Everybody is getting older. Getting older, preacher. Look at us. We're getting older. And these young guys coming up, my prayer is with them. But we have to face the questions. We we have had to face them down through the years. But the younger men that's coming behind us. They're going to have to face the questions. Leaders are going to have to face the questions. I'm almost scared to tell you what I'm going to preach on tonight. I'm going to finish up on the questions. And if you're not here, I'm going to take a mental picture of you in the pew. And if you're not here, I'm coming to your house. No, amen. But listen, you need to be here. And you need to finish here in verse 6, question 6, down to verse 19. Number 19 is the question of the greatest sin in our churches right now. And he dealt with it in 1925. Pornography. Lustful thoughts. 
He dealt with it as the last question. Are we guilty of lustful faults? Do we allow our mind to harbor impure and unholy imaginations? The number one sin in our colleges, Bible colleges, not secular schools. Right now they send them home every day because of the cell phone and filth. He dealt with it in 1925. We are guilty. People are guilty, but they are not dealing with it. And it's destroying us. So, this very serious sermon this morning, just reading Dr. Smith's notes, I don't even feel worthy to even, even touch it. But I know what God has done with it in other places. And yesterday as I was packing my satchel, I saw it. It was halfway and half on the bookcase, on the bottom shelf. And I picked it up. And I thought, wow, haven't used this in a long time. The revival we need. And when I opened it up, it opened to the page. And God says, there's your sermon. I said, okay. I've never refused to preach for you. I'm not going to start now. So I've, I've done my part. my part I still have a part to, to do I preached it that's one of my parts but I have two parts you do too you have to listen then you have to react you have to respond that's what I have to do I have, I have to take this in and I have to ask myself these questions and deal with them. And if everyone in this room, whether, whether you're young or whether you're elderly, we need to respond. And then when the mission preacher comes, You'll have a vision for missions. Then when Brother Scott comes and preaches what the pastor have, have asked him to preach on, oh my, you'll be ready. But if these questions are unanswered, you'll just have a meeting. And that's all we're going to have. I don't want just a meeting. 
I, I would love to see God just do wonderful things. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Just talk to you this morning from my heart. Very monotone. Because I didn't want Benny to get in the way of the words of Dr. Smith's. I just thank God for men like like him. Let's pray. Father, I have tried my best. Lord, I know what you can do. I have seen you do it. over and over, down through the years. And Lord, there may be someone lost here in this room needs to be saved. They may be a believer in this room that's just not living like they should. Lord, would you be with those people? Convict them in a great way. And then, Father, there's the faithful few, the ones that really wants to live for you and honor you and bring glory to you and to your church. Lord, give them strength to do so. Be with Brother Paulie, his dear wife, his faithfulness, Lord, here all these years. Lord, strengthen him. As he gets weaker, strengthen him from day to day. And his dear wife too. And his leadership, his deacons and people here in the church, help them to hold his arms up. Sure love you. Sure thank you. In Jesus' name.